Seinfeld, The Wizard, is over. It has been quite some time, and I've been podcasting about it once before, but we're just getting started here on Robin Akiva Need a Podcast, backwards episode of Seinfeld, The Wizard. And now, here are the two guys who are the Snoopy and Prickly Pete of podcasting. I'm Rob Sestrier, back with Akiva Winnegar. Keith, how are you? I'm great. Should we explain why we're doing this? Because I feel like we, we maybe explained it when we put it on the wheel, but... And people might be confused why we're talking about a random yes. episode of Seinfeld that's not even season three, episode seven. Go ahead. So when we did the Seinfeld podcast, we did it every week and we were very consistent and we never missed a week. But one week we were almost done and I was going away and Chester had always wanted to do an episode. And I think someone had asked if Chester could replace me at some point. And we said we'd put it to a vote on Twitter and we did a Twitter poll. And um, I, we gave Chester a curve. He only had to get 40% of the vote to win. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot yeah. of, a lot of uh, you know, bot accounts being started on both sides because there were some hardcore Chester stands and obviously a lot of uh, never Chesters. And there are hardcore Chester stands? Well, yeah, I, there was like two of them. I, okay. I, I mean, I, they're probably Chester with his like own, you know, Chester starting a bot accounts. I think it was a lot of fake news. But Chester mm-hmm. got 41% of the vote. Which happened to be enough to let him do the episode. I was in Mexico. I did not do the episode. But then a lot of people said afterwards, hey, doesn't it upset you that you never really completed the Seinfeld journey that you set out to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Like we you and I only podcasted about 179 of the 180 Seinfeld episode. I, yeah, I listened to the episode about the wizard, but I was not on it. So here we are. <laughs> We're going to finish our journey. 15 months after you talked about The Wizard, four and a half years after we started the Seinfeld podcast. Okay, so this will be a nice surprise for people when I put this in the Seinfeld post-show recaps feed as well. And if you're listening to this in the Seinfeld post-show recaps feed, uh, this is part of a new podcast that I do with Akiva on Rob's podcast called Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast, where every week we spin a wheel and talk about something random. So you can subscribe and leave us feedback at robhasawebsite.com slash nap. That's short for need a podcast. Rob is website.com slash nap. You should subscribe to that as well. All right. Key. Yes. So I, if I recall, I feel like that uh, Chester did a really good job filling in for you. Was that your takeaway? Yeah. Now, I never listened to I never listened to any of my podcasts. Um, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I feel like most people don't. Um, so I never listened to the Seinfeld podcast except for that episode because I wasn't on it. And I thought he did do a pretty good job. I thought it was... Uh, uh, you know, a very smooth episode. I get why people like the Seinfeld show, at least, you know, the you part. I've never heard of the me part on it, but I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> OK, so on August 12th, 2017, I will post the link in the show notes for that. If you want to hear the original uh, Rob and the Chester recap of this episode, I will try not to make the same jokes. What I did was I uh, took my notes from that episode and then i built onto my notes from that episode mm. so hopefully i i will uh, be able to avoid making uh, whatever jokes but i did not listen to that podcast beforehand so i may say the same things if people want to if anybody wants to do a side-by-side of the robin akiva version of this episode and the robin chester and then vote on oh, which no, was better uh well somebody should do it okay you know, and then give us like a report of, you know, uh, who had the better points about the episode. But, Keith, here we are back talking about a Seinfeld episode. And this is pretty deep in the run of Seinfeld. This is episode number 171. Yeah, only nine more to go after this. It's late in season nine. Um, but I, I will add, by the way, this is the first episode, full episode of Seinfeld I've watched in the last year. 
Yeah, I, I did not. I have not watched. I feel like I needed a cleanse. I will get back into it. I'm I'm going to do another, you know, full watch and maybe I'll do something like along with it. Like I'll take notes or something. But it's but I, I needed to take a break. I, I imagine you haven't watched too much Seinfeld since we finished a year ago. No, I, I haven't. And so this is a good, you know, test balloon for whether or not we should do the whole series again for right. another round of podcasts. True. People do want us to do that. We'll put it on the wheel. It just has to show up in order. Like we'll put an episode at a time on the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Also, the one of the reasons why we needed to get like we didn't want to miss a week. We had two big things that were going on was one that we wanted to that Curb Your Enthusiasm was coming back. Yes. And season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm was going to coincide exactly with where we were going to leave off with Seinfeld. So if we if we skipped a week, then that was going to throw us off where we'd have to do a Curb podcast and the Seinfeld podcast all in one week. And that was going to to be uh probably you know messing with our math and then we also we had a live show uh coming up and i'm not sure if that would uh screwed us up either yeah it's almost the one year anniversary of that of that live show or the last episode we did okay all right so seinfeld the wizard keith uh a lot going on here uh some some interesting stuff uh just to uh set up the plot points for people because we i'm sure a lot of people did not have advanced notice i know a lot of people would go back and watch the episode and then had uh questions for us just to reset all of the storylines what's going on here is that jerry is going down to del boca vista is this the last time we were going to see uh jerry's parents in florida other than leaving at the the finale episodes um yeah i think so i believe this so is this it. was sort of a farewell to del boca vista jerry goes down there and uh, he has a wizard organizer for his dad that he's going to give as a birthday gift but what he is surprised to see is that kramer ends up uh, after uh, going into early retirement he moves into del boca vista and then is put up into a trying to become the head of the del boca vista condo board and so uh, there's a whole election going on there so lots of again it's good election week episode keith uh yeah this is very yeah it's very pertinent yeah this is the very second topical yeah very topical a lot of lessons to learn if you're if you're someone running for office next week you know mm-hmm. don't don't repeat kramer's mistakes uh and, <laughs> yeah. and it is really a re you know a rehash of of you know a of morty seinfeld's previous run for the condo board president yes and then also we have George who has a run in with Susan's parents, the Rosses, and tries to get out of doing something with them by telling them that he has a home in the Hamptons that he has been going to. And then ultimately the Rosses uh, will call him on that bluff. And Elaine has a uh, situation going on where she is dating a gentleman and she has questions about what is the ethnicity of her new boyfriend in in this episode. And this is interesting because when this episode aired in 1998, there were were a lot of questions uh, and issues uh, dealing with race in our country. And luckily, over the last 20 years, those have all been resolved, yep. Akiva. Yep. Solved. It's, it's almost like hard to imagine the idea of people uh, having these types of problems because it's Where so the far topic the of race could be uncomfortable. Yes. Luckily, we have worked it all out. I think Seinfeld was actually the show to really solve it. <laughs> and things haven't gotten worse. No, way better. OK. All right. 
Kiev. All right. So a lot, a lot to talk through. I guess uh, let's anything else you want to say as we uh, open up uh, Seinfeld, the wizard? No, I'm excited to see if we still have it. You know, if we could if we could still like uh, throw 95 on the black and, uh, uh, you know, talking about about uh, a Seinfeld episode from uh, February 26, 1998, over 20 years now. Okay. All right. Keeve, we open with Jerry and George in Monk's diner, and uh, George is reading the newspaper, and he tells Jerry that any story about China is a page turner for him. Can you relate to that? You know, it's funny, like I, I do some news, uh, like my work, we, we, we come across a lot of news, and I find that the world news stuff for like an American audience just does not do well. Like if it's not yeah. about Americans, Americans do not care. Now, when I go to sites like the Daily Mail, though, yes, it's all American news. Well, you probably go to like the U.S. version of the Daily Mail. Oh, is that what's going on I there? I think they have I, two I now. They, I think now they have two. But uh, yes, Europeans okay. care much more about world news than Americans do. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, interesting. How many? Well, how about this? How many world leaders do you think you could name? Uh, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw me? some of the more. Okay. All right, Germany. Uh, Angela Merkel. That's good. Uh, not to be confused with Angela Bloom. Um, <laughs> for mention. Uh, uh, North Korea. Uh, I want to make sure I get this uh, right. Uh, Kim Jong Un. Yes, I think you were. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. his father was what Kim Jong Il, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, China. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I believe it's, uh, it's X-I. Yes. G. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Does that count? Yeah, that Xi count? Jinping. Yeah, that's very good. All right. You're, okay. listen, you're like, uh, you're like a regular, who, uh, you know, UK? Do you know who's the prime minister of the UK? Teresa May? Yeah, look at you. You know everything. Okay. I almost said Teresa Cooper at the beginning. <laughs> Teresa Cooper. <laughs> She's had her in my brain for a lot of this week. All right. Uh, yeah, she's in charge of the T-Bird party. They they lost to the Tories in the last election. <laughs> All right, that's pretty good. So you know, so you're a bad example because you know every world leader, clearly. But I feel like if we gave the average like person on the street in like Duluth, Minnesota a test, they would get it wrong. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so China news, not so interesting. Uh, Chester, who did this podcast, his brother mm-hmm. is like a China expert. That's his job. He just like oh. knows stuff about like the Chinese economy and like goes on TV and talks about it. Not a page turner for him. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's boring for everyone else, but for him, it's a page turner. Is he from Duluth, Minnesota? Uh, they're from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, the hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, I don't know. It's all the same. Middle America is all the same to me. <laughs> All right. So Jerry has gotten a wizard organizer for two hundred dollars. What what, uh, a wizard organizer, two hundred dollars in 1998. What's the street value of that? About like four hundred dollars now. I mean, this is like an iPhone. I mean, an old wizard or something that does like the wizard tasks. I don't I like I remember like the Palm Pilots being in the hundreds. Two hundred seems expensive for an organizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that is expensive, and it doesn't really seem like Jerry seems to be talking up like all the features in this. And mm-hmm. while Morty is excited about the calculator function, Jerry's like, "No, you can, uh, you can have a timer also, and remind you to take your pills also. It's cr- and you could put contact information in there too. Yeah, it's crazy how little these ti- like we got so excited if they, you know these do these little tasks uh, that now like if someone gave this to you for free now you wouldn't use it." 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me see. So uh, two hundred dollars in inflation to uh, twenty seventeen dollars at least would be uh, three hundred and uh, three hundred dollars and seventy six cents. Yeah. I mean, you could get a lot of good stuff for three hundred seventy six dollars. It doesn't just calculate tips. Okay. Jerry says that, look, uh, it doesn't matter. He's going to tell his dad that he got it for $50 and Morty is going to be impressed because he likes getting the deal. Okay. So George has a message from uh, Susan's parents and uh, they want him to go uh, do something. What, what do they need George to do? I think they want him to go to some function for the foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is going to uh, skip out on that. Uh, and he feels that deep down, they blame him for Susan's death. Yeah, he's sure of it. And as Jerry points out, oh, is that because you're to blame for Susan's death? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George doesn't blame himself, though, for Susan's death. I mean, death, George right? doesn't have a lot of like self-awareness or sort of like internal moral compass. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and again, and we've discussed this before, like, is George to blame? Like, yes, he went cheap. But if you... You know, if you go, it's not like he went cheap on airbags for a car, right? And then she was killed in a car accident. He went cheap on something that would not be considered dangerous. Like if you bought someone, uh, you know, a cheap, if if someone you, you know, your relationship, uh, you know, wanted a $50 pen and you said, here, take this Bic and the Bic exploded and killed them. You'd be like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'd blame you for the the exploding pen. It's an accident. It's an accident. Okay. Here comes Elaine with her new boyfriend, and uh, his name is Daryl. Yes, Daryl is a is another one off boyfriend. I, I do I do wonder what the casting call looked like for Daryl. Right, like we need a mm-hmm. like an ethnically vague actor. Yeah, I think uh, more interesting than what ethnicity is Daryl. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the Chester podcast. How old is Daryl? Oh, that's because, a good question. Uh, he he looks like he's 18. He does have a youngish face. Maybe it's because he has the type of face that he looks like he can't grow any facial hair. Mm-hmm. The actor's name is Samuel Bliss Cooper. So he's, yes. he's born in 1972. JLD, do you want to guess when Elaine is born? Um, I would guess that she is somewhere in her 50s. And so I will say that she is born 19... 19- 64. Yeah, she's a little older than that. She's born 1961. She's actually older okay. than my mom. Same year. Um, okay. And so, she, yeah, so she's 11 years younger than Samuel Bliss Cooper. By the way, Sam, oh, 11 years older. 11 years older, excuse me, than, than her boyfriend. Um, Samuel Bliss Cooper, this was really the highlight. He was a vamp lackey on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is his first role yeah. Seinfeld. He plays a, a character called Bad Guy on a show, The District. And he's basically mm-hmm. been out of Hollywood for the last 15 years. Yeah. You just look too young. People didn't want to cast, uh, you know, such a baby face. <laughs> so Elaine introduces him uh, to the friends and says, uh, oh, these are some people I know. And then uh, basically ushers him out of the out of monks. I guess she's like, are she afraid of, of what they're going to say? She's just embarrassed of them in general. I think she's more embarrassed of them in general. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, she has no reason to think about what she's going to say because uh, she says to Jerry, hey, what do you think? And Jerry is the one that says, oh, about you dating a black guy. And she is taken aback. She's like, wait, he's black. Right. It's, he is? it's interesting that Elaine's intentions were um, right. Like she didn't know. And then when he puts the seed in her head, then it's all she could think about before then she doesn't know. By the way, we could also view this episode through the context of. The writer for this episode is a guy named Steve Luckner. 
Mm-hmm. And if you were we uh, we were discussed them a little bit on the uh, you know in previous episodes, but if I'm not mistaken, Steve Luckner is is like the most right wing member of the Seinfeld writing crew. I believe he did some like conservative media afterwards. Okay, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve at all. Uh, so it's interesting that uh, I am I am not a key. <laughs> right? Well, neither of no. I'm just saying I think we 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 may have discussed this at some point. Uh, cause, you know, because we want to have him on. Not sure what you're implying. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not implying anything. I just remember talking about it. We didn't know much about him. We talked about having him on, but then someone said, like, oh, he's got, like, really weird politics. I don't see... He does mostly news now, it looks like. Um, but mm. it is interesting that he is maybe, you know, like, that he is writing this episode. Maybe, you know, to view right. it through his, his eyes. Yes. It's interesting here. Uh, you know, Elaine is uh, asking uh, Jerry some follow-up questions uh, about this. George uh, says that he thinks that uh, Daryl looks Irish. Yeah, he doesn't really look Irish. I do. I mean, I do think. And now we are Irish experts after covering the Leprechaun yeah, last week. I mean, and we're going to do all five or six or whatever. So we're going to know <laughs> literally everything there is to know about Ireland. Quick, who's the prime minister of Ireland? I have no idea. Nobody knows. Even the people in Dublin don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So there's a question about uh, what is his last name? What is Daryl's last name? Isn't it Nelson? It's Nelson. Uh, and I'm not sure. It, it, I've never attached any sort. I of, think that's probably you know, why they picked it. Right. Nelson is a very vague name. It could be a white person. It could be an African-American person. It could really be. I mean, well, look, who, who are the European famous country. Nelsons? OK, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. OK, Willie Nelson is I'm not sure what his background is, but he's uh, he's an old white guy that smokes a lot of pot. Yeah. There's Jordy Nelson in the NFL. Jordy, now those were the two that I thought. Don of Nelson, the, the old Don basketball Nelson. coach. But then there mm-hmm. are a lot of African-American Nelsons, too. Uh, in the NFL, like they've had. I, didn't the Jets have like a have have a, like a, a receiver named Nelson? I'm blanking on his name right now. Hmm. I don't know, last name Nelson. They had a guy Let's Robert say. Nelson. They had David Nelson. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of Nelsons in the NFL. I don't think that. Right. I'm just saying it's. I think they specifically picked a name that could swing in any direction. There would be no. Yeah, it, it's hard because there's a lot of like first name Nelsons, but famous last name Nelsons. Famous, yeah. If you get famous Nelsons, it's going to be like Nelson Figueroa. Yeah, I mean, there's like Nelson Mandela, but that's a first name, right? So, uh, let's see. Uh, celebrities, famous people whose last name is Nelson. So yeah, I, I don't know if there's a, like a yeah, Jordy Nelson is uh, is up there. It's like a Family Feud question. Oh, Craig T. Nelson. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, there are a lot of voice famous of the <laughs> Mister Incredible. Yeah, and so, also it is mentioned that his family's South African, right? So yes. you know, it's not it's not impossible that someone would have their name be after Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. So and that's why it was a good episode that Chester was on. Well, if Chester is South African, that's true. Yeah. So uh, it, we, there was some synergy there. What's what's your connection? South Africa? I don't know. I've I've never been. There. I, I do remember there was a big thing. Chester's family like was going to some high school reunion in South <laughs> Africa during the Super Bowl last year. And like the Vikings were about to be in it. It was a big mess. That's but I've, <laughs> I've never been. Maybe we'll take a class trip there. Uh, we'll do we'll do a podcast. We'll put it on the wheel. Rob and Akiva do a podcast live from Johannesburg. Now, George is the one person in this episode that seems to have apprehension uh, about this, that uh, he says a couple times, like, should we be talking about this? Right. They keep saying that. And frankly, I've asked myself <laughs> the same question. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, I, I bet that conversation was like sort of happening in the writers' room. Like, can we do this? Can we do this? They probably tried to go like harder. That I, I, there were, I remember reading at the time. Uh, at the time we podcast about it, not the time that this episode came out, because it wasn't a particularly controversial episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that they were. That I think the original subplot here is that Elaine gets lost in Harlem, and mm-hmm. they just didn't know how to how to like. Yeah, I, I think they thought like, all right, this doesn't work, and then they changed it to Elaine has a boyfriend, which makes sense. Actually, if you think about this episode, it's a rare episode where there's really no connection between the three storylines. The only real interaction, other than this first scene. That we see between the storylines is uh, when Jerry that like sort of throwaway scene where Jerry calls Elaine and George and they discuss like, you know, getting the mail and and flushing the toilet, which is a very cuttable scene also. Mm -hmm. Right. But am I crazy? Like there's other do we see many episodes like this where the the Jerry Kramer and Florida stuff has no connection to the Elaine dating uh, uh, this this uh, ethnically vague person. And and then George with the Rosses has no has no connection to any of them either. You know, talk, forget about tie together. There's almost there's almost nothing. Elaine runs into the Rosses uh, at one True. point. Yes, so Elaine does mess up George's storyline. That is that is fair. But the, but then the yeah. Florida stuff is really devoid of any any connect to the New York stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is some uh, you know uncomfortableness between uh, the three people in the scene. Uh, the waitress uh, comes over who is African American. They just throw a bunch of money at her. They've realized that uh, maybe maybe they shouldn't be talking about this. Well, I didn't write down which one, but one of the two uh, waitresses here is Constant Zimmer, who ended up becoming like a like a relatively big star, who's like a star of her own show. Well, good for Constant Zimmer. Yeah. George ends up calling up uh, Mrs. Ross. Uh, so this is where we find out that the Ross Foundation is having an event this weekend. But George has to go to his house in the Hamptons. Why are they inviting George to this event? I don't know. He was on the board at one point of the Human Fund. Yeah, or, but, or no, the Human Fund was those that he made, yeah. what he made up. Yeah, the Susan uh, Ross but, Foundation. But he was, he was on the board. I mean, maybe that he needs to be there as part of, you know, holding this, uh, this uh, you know, we're out of the Seinfeld loop. But, I mean, I think he was, he, he never got fired from the board, I don't think so. Right? I think he was sort of disgraced and, and like, probably doesn't go to <laughs> meetings anymore after he taped everything. But, you know, and clearly, like, he knows at this point that they, that they don't like him, you know, when he, when he hit the tape recorder and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's weird that they invited him, but maybe they need like all hands on deck for this meet, you know, like maybe it just looks good to have the fiance there. Cause not everyone on the street knows that, you know, George is, is perhaps culpable in, uh, in Susan's mm-hmm. death. Uh, George Costanza, professional liar, is House in the Hamptons a good lie? Did he end up uh, going into something that was going to be difficult for him to ultimately uh, be able to keep the lie going? It's interesting because, first of all, leasing a house in the Hamptons, like once he gets into the specifics of how expensive it is, then it really gets out of his price range. But you could go in with, you know, he could be lying. And and sometimes people get these sort of group share, like timeshare things for the summer. Uh, you know, where it's like a group of eight guys and they rent out a house and it's like expensive, but not, you know, prohibitively expensive for for like a 40 year old man who, you know, has a real job. I, mm-hmm. The thing is that they know probably through Susan that he's like a, like an unemployable loser for the most part. <laughs> you know, they know about the Yankees stuff. But other than that, like his work history is obviously, um, you know, very uh, uh, sporadic. I, I, I know they have to know that he doesn't have any money. So it's a good question. Yeah. 
I mean, the, but he says in one scene that he's been lying about his income for years, so True. he thinks he can afford right. he a, can fake get up to a fake but, house. I, I don't know. I, again, he ultimately is a pathological liar. So even if he made $10 million a year, you don't necessarily have to believe anything he says. I, I personally think that this was a bad lie because, I mean, uh, maybe I, the idea that the, the Rosses might end up being out in the Hamptons yeah. at some point. Sure. Uh, like, there's a non-zero chance yeah, of that. Yeah, they're so fancy New Yorkers. They could for sure end up in the Hamptons summertime. Right. Like, he would have been better off saying, like, you know, I got to work uh, Saturdays. Have, uh, right. You know, I have uh, box seats at the Long Island Ducks. I need to uh, be out there <laughs> wow. every weekend. Wow. I think 180 episodes this is our first Long Island Duck shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he needed to pick something that there's nothing that the Rosses no way would want to is that the, like, the least, know, be involved. The least likely place to show up. Uh, I, I don't know. Do they have do they have suites at the Long Island Duck Stadium? I mean, they're probably like twelve dollars to sit in the front. I've never been to a Long Island. <laughs> I don't even know what town the Long. I think it's Suffolk County. Yeah, it is somewhere in Suffolk. And, and I apologize well, yeah, to no, all Long Island listeners. We're Nassau County. You know, we're, we're not really Long Island people. We're Nassau County people, so I don't know anything about <laughs> Suffolk County. No offense to my grandfather. Don't at Akiva people. <laughs> all right. My grandpa lives in Suffolk County. I don't actually hate it. OK, so we see Kramer come in and Kramer is talking about, hey, it's time to celebrate. Remember that coffee table book? Well, they've optioned it for a movie. Yeah, a lot of I remember a lot of people writing in and being like, "How you know, how is this possible? But nowadays it seems much more like you wouldn't bat an eye if you saw this headline now. <laughs> Yeah. And Kramer says, hey, uh, do you uh, remember that photo book on toy ray guns? Uh, and George politely says yes. Uh, and Kramer says they turn that into Independence yeah, Day. I do like that. He's like retroactively starting this amazing rumor. Mm-hmm. And so he's hanging it up. He's getting out of the grind. No more working for Kramer. Right. I mean, we you know, we found out that he was actually on strike for for, you know, most of most of the run of the, the entire run of the show that he was on strike mm-hmm. from H&H Bagels. Right. But now, yeah. you know, now that that's over, he's ready to retire. Not for anything. So we have Kramer gets a windfall in this episode. They option the coffee table book. Uh, we never hear about the movie project for the coffee table book or this uh, large amount of money that Kramer has come into in this episode again in the rest of the series run. No. And again, we've established uh, that Kramer is a drug dealer. That's how he has his money. So this is all mm-hmm. secondary income for him. And all, when you sell a movie, you make a decent amount of money. So he's he's probably doing OK at this point. Plus, his apartment's probably rent controlled. He's very limited expense. Elaine ends up going to Daryl's house. Uh, she hears music coming from his apartment. I think she assumes that it's coming from Daryl's apartment. She feels like, aha, I think that this must mean, okay, if he's listening to uh, rap music, this is telling her that, okay, then he uh, must be an African-American because who else would listen to a, a rap song, Akiva? I've never heard one before, right? I, I mean, it is right. I, I guess in the 90s, that would have made sense. Uh, like, they have to sort of do stereotypical things here. By the way, we discussed the name Nelson, but we didn't really discuss that the name like Daryl is not a, a Nelson equivalent, right? Yeah, to be fair, uh, Daryl Strawberry is the most famous uh, Daryl, uh, but also Daryl Hammond of SNL fame. Well, that's, and Daryl uh, Hannah also. So, yeah, maybe we're wrong. Daryl is, is even you know, multi-gender. So maybe we're totally yeah. wrong here. There's also Daryl Dawkins, uh, NBA great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, not a ton of uh, famous Daryls. So a small sample size. Yeah, OK, fair. So... 
Elaine comes in and uh, then Daryl shows her around that he has a bunch of uh, masks in his apartment. And uh, Elaine asks if they have any cultural significance. Right. They're from Africa. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of indignant about it. He's like, "Uh, they're African. Yeah, and they end up being from South Africa, which, again, there's there's sort of 50-50 balling all these by, uh, you know, throwing everyone down the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he claims that his family had to leave South Africa for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, Elaine is just as confused as ever. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know, you know, it's fun, like, watching the episode, you don't know what the answer is also. Like, the first time you see this episode, you're like, hmm, I don't know, is he is he black, is he white, is he Hispanic? We have no idea. We see George talking to a hot dog vendor, which uh, I did find this to be very funny that uh, he's asking the hot dog vendor, so you must really love hot dogs or you hate hot dogs. And he's making conversation with the guy for no reason. Uh, The guy finally asks him, are you going to buy something or no? Yeah, I I feel like this was a conversation that happened in the writer's room and they just shoehorned it into this episode. It's funny. Uh, Johnny points out that the actor is a guy named Mike McShane, who also plays Frank Delano Romanowski, who puts a curse on... uh, on Kramer. So, but it's not FDR selling hot dogs or is George main conversation with FDR. It's a little strange that like it's one thing, you know, we see so many occasions of Seinfeld having the same actor play multiple roles. But once they have yeah. like a prominent role, it's weird to bring them back for um, you know, I've heard like on on podcasts where an actor sometime like the 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 podcasters look sometimes like a comedian who will be like do like bit parts, like guest spots on TV, and they'll talk about how like, oh, well, you know, my agent said don't do this one line on the good place because then you're you're wasted on the show because they only use you once. Seinfeld mm-hmm. did not have that problem. They were like, yeah, yeah, do a line in uh, in season seven. We'll bring you back to season nine. We'll make you the star of the episode. No one will remember. No one will care. Right, because uh, the betrayal of the backwards episode, uh, not of this podcast, had already aired earlier in that season. That was episode number eight of season nine of Seinfeld. And here we are, The Wizard, episode number 15 of season nine of Seinfeld. Why can't it be FDR? You know, it can be. I, I feel like maybe you'd bring it up. Maybe there's maybe there was more to the to this because this scene has no real bearing to the rest of the episode. If there was like a subplot within this George C. story of of, uh, you know, of hot dogs. But it could be FDR, maybe. But maybe he would have put a curse on him then or something. <laughs> maybe uh, the Rosses spot George uh, talking to the hot dog vendor. And so uh, they will be uh, curious as to his whereabouts uh, after this. I mean, listen, they never believed George to begin with, but his story's falling mm-hmm. apart. Okay. Next up, we go uh, down to Del Boca Vista, and uh, we see Jerry's parents uh, waking him up. Uh, they say they, they let him sleep in. It's 530 in the morning. Yeah. By the way, you know, we were very critical of a lot of the Florida episodes um, during the course of the show, but I do really I, I like, especially since this is the last time we're spending you know, other than like you said, when we see them in the finale time in Florida, I do think we leave on a good note here. I do like the Florida stuff in this episode. OK, it's Morty's birthday. And so uh, he says a weird line to Jerry about how, you know, Jerry has a birthday present. He says, I should be buying you presents. Right. And it, which makes sense. Like usually it's parents buying their kids presents. Yeah, but not when it's the parents birthday. Yeah, I guess. But I, I mean, I don't buy I mean, you buy your mom birthday presents. I don't buy my parents' yeah. birthday. You do? You're a good son. I'm a bad. I mean, I, I'll, we buy. The thing is, I have three sisters, so it's more like, hey, moron. Like, we bought we bought uh, mom something. Just, like, pay for. Who's the moron? It's them calling me a moron. My three okay. sisters. My three little sisters. <laughs> like, hey, we bought them something just, like, chip in or whatever. 
Um, yeah. But really, we only do it for round numbers, like 50 or next year, my dad's 60th. I'm sure we'll have to get him something. Mm-hmm. Um, so one present every 10 one years. Every That's 10 years. good. By the way, I don't get any presents from my parents anymore. Mm. I don't get pre- like I stopped getting pre- when I used to live near them, maybe. But like, I don't get presents from them. And also because my I have kids, so they'll just buy more stuff for my for my kids, their grandkids like they'll. That's very practical. Yeah, even like if they showed up on my birthday, they'd bring stuff for my children, but not for me. Yeah. I, and by the way, and by the way, Hanukkah works the same way. I don't get yeah. I haven't gotten a Hanukkah present since I was a kid. My my kids will get eight and I'll get zero. And then do you and Mara ex- exchange any Hanukkah no. gifts? And we don't get each other birthday presents anymore. See, that's good. See, that I like. There's I, no I, pressure. I, I, I get zero gifts because my wife will buy. I, the, I, I really like what you're doing. there. Yeah. I don't know if I don't I don't know if you should credit the whole religion or just my mine and my wife's apathy. No, but I know uh, that uh, that I know uh, a, a lot of Jewish friends that uh, you know they have the same sort of thing, and th- th- that sounds so much better. It's funny because a lot of Jewish kids are like, "Oh man, the presents look so great," uh, and you're saying the mm-hmm. opposite. You're like, the best part of Judaism would be like you don't have to do presents. There's so much pressure. Yeah. Especially like no, because it's almost yeah. a, it's is it bigger than birthday? It is bigger than birthday, right? The Christmas bigger present? than birthday. So that's yeah. two because yeah. it's a nightmare. If we if I have to do a birthday present, which again I don't do nowadays, but I used to, and it would be jewelry, which I know nothing about. So then you have to get the friend involved. Do you ever do that? Like, do you ever get your wife's uh, friend involved? Like, well, tell me what my wife likes because I don't know. I don't know. Like, I barely know like the difference between like a necklace and an earring. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, you pick yeah. it out, I'll pay for it. And the eight days of presents yes. is really so uh, one thing a day because, the, the, you know, it's like a present orgy all at once. Open everything. And an hour later, everybody's miserable. It's true. The, the thing and also you have to structure them. You like you open with a big one and then you close. But then like day three through six are mostly like here's one I would sock. Nail you that. get the other I sock. would nail that. You would nail you that know? for the kids or, or you mean you'd be good at getting for eight the, small presents for, for Nicole. <laughs> well, I, you said I don't have to get any you don't, presents you don't for Nicole. Have to get any presents for Nicole. But it would probably be yeah. easier to do eight small ones than one big one, to be honest. Because like mm-hmm. here's a shirt, so. here's a, yeah, like uh, yeah. The eight, the but the thing is, you have to prepare beforehand because you have to get and they have to be like you can't give one kid something really good and the other kid like a pair of socks. You know, they have to be mm-hmm. commensurate with each other. So we're already like you know, my wife will like, hey, yeah. I got this. Be like, oh, cool. Let's give it to my son. He'll really like it. She'll be like, no, no, no. no. Come on. We got to wait. We're not not wasting. If I do this, I got to buy eight more. Like you got to you got to start saving up now. Right. And there's not like a million Hanukkah parties for weeks before. And you have to go to a million different Hanukkah parties. Well, it's not a season as much because it's eight days. The the one interesting thing also is that there's no main day at all of Hanukkah. Like there's no one day Mm -hmm. that's bigger than the others. So you could sort of always get out of stuff. And the other thing, and I'm so, I'm sorry for gushing so much about uh, you know the uh, the the upside of yeah. the uh, Hanukkah, yeah. but then you get you get Christmas also, and you can do whatever you want. There's a good, you go to the movies, yeah, Chinese food. There's nobody true. around. There's no traffic. And you get all the good stuff. Other than the presents, you do get the good stuff. It, first of all, it is true, especially having you know lived in the city for so long. Like New York City is a delight. People are actually nice. Like December. And on mm-hmm. you feel it in the air like there's a real environment of of like people are friendlier and everyone's happy. And then, it, it, you know, J- January 2nd, people are miserable again. But there is like yeah. you so you do get the good parts of that. 
I, I like the lack of um uh, of pressure of doing anything, but it is a little like it's upsetting because you like I want to work on December twenty fifth, you know, like there's nothing to do, so it's a little weird. Like everyone's doing something, and I'm like, all right, let's you know, I want to like uh you know, I want to like you want to hang out or you want to do something. It's like oh, never everyone else is busy. Everyone's invited yeah. to a party that you're not invited to. So there's a little bit of that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so but I don't like right. going to well, parties, it's... so the, maybe it works. I don't even know how we got on. <laughs> yes, yeah. Talking about presents. Talking about presents. All right. Uh, so anyway, Morty Seinfeld is very excited to get the wizard because Jerry says it's hot. Uh, and Morty Seinfeld is very keen on the idea you could figure out the tips. Uh, Keeve, now do you ever figure out the tips or is this all that you leave this to your wife? Your wife is figuring out the tips. No, I can... I can, uh, I mean, why? I could, first of all, I do the math. I can, like, I'm pretty good at math, so I just do it in my head. I don't need a mm-hmm. calculator. But you talk about how she pays all of the, she, you know, oh, yeah, she financial. writes checks. But yeah, no, when we go out to a restaurant, like, I mean, I guess we each have a credit card, but I will physically pay. All right. Uh, so this is when Kramer comes in. Uh, Jerry, uh, very excited or, or very, very blown away that uh, Kramer is there. Kramer is unusually tan here in this scene. Uh, it's 530 in the morning. I'm not sure if we missed a day. It's, it's not acknowledged. Did you notice how red Michael Richards yeah. is in this? scene? Yeah, I wonder like what they were doing if they were like outside. It is weird, right? I feel like it's his first day, but maybe he's been here for a while. Do you think it's fake? Did they like ma- put makeup on him? I'm not sure if they're trying to tell us something. I'm not sure if there was a cut scene or or what, but they don't really explain other than I guess that, you know, he's been in Florida and maybe he got uh, super tan. Yeah. And so Kramer has moved in uh, next door to the Seinfelds. Um, do, do you, are you buying Kramer is up at 530 in the morning? Yeah, I could see it. Um if you live down there, you have to live by their schedule because, again, it would be like being a Jew on Christmas. Like everyone else is asleep mm-hmm. and you're, you know, first getting your night started at eight o'clock. You're not going to do anything. Jerry says, Kramer, you can't move in here. Uh, this is where people come to die. It's a rough thing to say in front of your parents, right? Not you guys. Yeah. Uh, he says nah. to his parents. That is yeah. rough. Okay. You make those <laughs> jokes not in front of those people. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld does uh, bash the Florida retirement community uh, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many notes you could do on like the old people living in Florida and, you know, we're with them for a bunch of episodes. But yeah, like the God's waiting room stuff gets a little old. Uh, Yeah, they're cheap. They drive slow. uh, They're up super early. They go to bed early. Uh, You know, Seinfeld is, uh, you know, really uh, hits these guys hard. My wife's grandparents, they live in Florida, and they get up at, like, 9 a.m. You can't call them for 9, and they, like, go to sleep at midnight. I <laughs> wonder if they're the outlier or if it's, like, a stereotype that's not totally true. I don't know. Um, so, Helen Seinfeld is going to uh, make some breakfast. Uh, she offers Kramer a feta cheese omelet. Uh, Keeve, yeah. would, would you be interested in a feta cheese omelet? Omelet. No, I mean, I'd eat it. It's not like on my don't eat list, which is lengthy, but uh, it's not my favorite thing in the world. No, and this would not be appetizing to me. And ultimately, she has to uh, have Kramer settle for a cottage cheese omelet and egg beaters. That I would, you know, wouldn't eat under under penalty of death. I would not eat a cottage. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible. Sounds terrible. OK, Kramer is going to be in a montage. He's playing ping pong. He's just like spiking on a guy and then he's dancing too rough with a woman. Then the ambulance ends up coming. Keep did uh, Kramer murder a woman? I don't think he murdered a woman. He definitely I mean, we cut 
from Kramer dancing very rough with a woman to the ambulance coming. Right, I think they were maybe, you know, she was taxing herself. I mean, did George murder Susan by picking out the envelopes? I think he was more responsible there. He didn't force her to dance with him. Like, she's at this dance class. But it's, uh, it's possible he's responsible for her death. I think he is way more responsible than George wow. was. I mean, we've described how what George did was an accident. If I if I grab an elderly person yeah. and shake them violently yeah. and yeah. then they pass away, yeah. uh, I, I think I would have to assume some blame. Sure, of, but you wouldn't be prosecuted uh, in court. At the very least, elder abuse. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you'd be prosecuted, but I guess, yeah, we, you know, we, we did go through a lot of like what deaths are the Seinfeld crew to blame. I think Amir had a, had a tally of this. I think mm-hmm. we could add this to the tally if we haven't already. Yeah, I, I think we could. I think that Kramer got off easy on this one. I mean, uh, forget no shoes in the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, this is probably a bigger scandal. Uh, yeah, I, but I guess like death is such a common like occurrence for them that they don't even, it, they don't mm. even that <laughs> Yeah, there was no cover up here. No, I, I think it's like, all right, it's this person's time. They don't they don't seem too concerned. OK. All right. Um, we see uh, George and Elaine at Monk's and they're going to uh, talk about the uh, the Daryl situation a little bit. Uh, Elaine is asking him, OK, uh, what, what do you think about this? George says, why don't you ask him? Is, I mean, is it a question you can't ask? Yeah. Other than the fact it would ruin the episode, but, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we ever got any feedback from the original airing of this episode. But I mean, uh, could could Elaine ask some probing questions if she really wanted to know the answer to this about. So tell me about your family. Well, there's two things. One, it's like, well, why do you care? Right. That, uh, you know, there's, there's like a point where it's too early in the relationship. Like you can't go on a first date and start asking people's ethnicity. Right. Mm-hmm. And you also can't ask them after like a year of dating because it's like what you should know by then. So I do think there's a very small window where you can ask questions like this. But she may be in that window. <sighs> but isn't there a fine line between, you know, how you want to get to know a person that you're seeing? Don't you want to like uh, or, or shouldn't you be interested in their background? I think so. But it's like what a lot of times people ask questions. They're sort of fishing for information. I mean, it's not a job interview. I understand. Um, I think it's like, oh, this will come out organically. I'll meet their family. I'll learn more about them. And I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like it'll. I know she, if she's patient and they, she stays with him, it will come out. So I, I think like if you don't rush it, you'll find out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, George uh, says maybe he's mixed. Elaine talks about that. Uh, is that the right word? Ron Howard voice says it's not. Yeah, that, yeah. We do you think Seinfeld could have used the Ron Howard voice more, like Arrested Development style? <laughs> would that have been funny? It would have been very ahead of its time. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it would have been Ron Howard. I don't know what he was doing then, but like sort of the equivalent, like a John Vo- mm-hmm. a John Voight voice. Well, they've actually used John Voights. I think that would get confusing. Right, right. Ron Howard doesn't actually appear, you're saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. So George uh, says again, I don't think we're supposed to be talking about this. Uh, he goes to the bathroom, and Elaine says she'll talk to Jerry when he gets back. And so uh, Elaine runs into the Rosses, and uh, they want to know from Elaine what happened to George's place in the Hamptons. Uh, and Elaine laughs and laughs and laughs, says Hamptons. Uh, George Costanza, I don't think so. What? I mean, what a bad friend. Right. <laughs> and we don't see like a ton of Elaine and George, just the two of them. Obviously, this episode, there is a bunch like 
if if someone was like, hey, I heard like, you know, Rob got a new house in L.A. on the hills. And I would be like, ha, 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 that's impossible. Rob, no mm-hmm. way. There's no way Rob could own a home. Right. That yeah. would make me a bad friend. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that is part of the premise of the show, that these are bad friends. Sure. Uh, I, I do think that this came up in the Chester version of the podcast. What were the Rosses doing in Monks? Were they that curious in following up? Like, okay, George must always be here. Let me go. Or were the Rosses uh, actually interested in eating at Monks? I think both. They're like, maybe it's like, hey, we need lunch. Hey, let's go there. And maybe we're into George since he's there three times a day. It's a, We could kill two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Two people okay. with one on George tells them that, uh, look, it's uh, what a great Hamptons weekend uh, this was. And uh, George may move there eventually one day. He loves the Hamptons so much. Uh, I do love when he's leaving. He points to them and tells the Rosses, uh, OK, keep it real. Yeah, keep it real. And that's ahead of its time. People weren't really saying keep it real in 98. When did they start saying I think that? 2000. 2000 was when they started saying keep it real. Okay. All right. Uh, Morty is uh, out to lunch with uh, with Jerry and with Helen, and he's going to use the tip calculator. He decides that the service was slow and they didn't refill the water. Twelve point four percent tip. I mean, for Jerry, for what we know about Morty Costanza, that like if you're getting double digits, you got to be happy as a waiter. That is pretty good. Yeah, you would think so for Morty, um, because like what's the what's the baseline? Is the baseline uh, you know fifteen? He said, I mean, so uh, you drop it down to 12.4. I mean, 15 is like standard, uh, you know, uh, like I feel like you're not doing anything. Yeah, that's I guess 20 is generous. Yeah, 15, yeah. like you're not getting dirty looks, I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, again, there are a lot of supposedly a lot of bad tippers in the in the sort of Boca community. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, people know if you get if you get Morty Seinfeld, like no waitress wants his table. Keith, when you go someplace and they tell you that the gratuity is included, do you need to tip on top of that? Like I when I was in Mm. when I I was in Reno, I had a lot of stuff going on. And so I called for room service. I had basically I had to do my exit interview and then I had another podcast. Mm -hmm. And so rather than go downstairs and get breakfast, I said, let me just order up room service to the room and then get like a pot of coffee and have that while I'm doing all the podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so gratuity was included. But I did feel like a goon when the guy came up to the room and uh these he said gratuity was included but i felt like that i that i should have given and i didn't have any cash right, on at me. a restaurant uh, you know when they say like oh you're a big group so it's whatever it is 18 percent or 20 whatever whatever the you know the mandatory gratuity is then i don't think it would be weird to tip unless you had exceptional service but right for the room is that going to him the gratuity that's included you know that would that would make uh, who, me nervous who knows? that's what i'm saying so that's yeah. why i don't think it would be crazy for you to tip I'm not sure that's yeah, going but to happen. He, he was the one that brought it up. Okay. He told me, like they told me on the phone, and then he said it again. He also said, okay. and, and gratuity is included in this. Okay, so I think you're fine. If he's saying I'm it. I'm off the hook say, if he I, says yeah, it. if he says it, then you're off the hook. Off the hook was he's, an expression also that started in 2000. Yeah, he didn't, and he also didn't say it like, uh, gratuity is included, but dot, dot, dot. Yeah. It wasn't a hanging gratuities included. I know. I guess if it's included, you could also get it with anything. Like if you threw like a couple bucks at him, it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Un, it wouldn't be like rude. It's not like you're giving him a, even if even if your room service was a hundred dollars. It's not like you're tipping him two percent. Yeah. Okay. So we uh, 
hear Morty uh, talking about uh, the uh, election uh, coming up. Uh, and uh, Jerry has a little bit of a, of a reset about how uh, you. Oh, that's right. You were impeached at the other condo. He re- but he says he resigned. Uh, yeah. Well, he was impeached, right? It's like Rich Kotite saying he quit. My friend once ran into him and he said, I wasn't fired as the Jets head coach. I quit. Yeah. So I don't think that this was like if we're going to put this in presidential terms, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, that they did not go through the impeachment process. I think that rather than suffer through an impeachment. So I I don't know if it means like if you go like Bill Clinton went through an impeachment and then there was like a whole thing in the Congress. But I don't think that Morty Seinfeld's thing got to the board. right? Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I think that Nixon, Nixon, you would say, was impeached. I don't think it went to K, but he resigned. Well, well, Clinton was impeached, too. He just he like didn't. He, but he did not. Re- he but, did it, right. but it like went through. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not enough of a history buff to know whether or not no, I don't uh, know. Nixon's uh, stuff went through. Well, when we do that the, day in the random day calendar, we'll find out much more about Nixon being resigned. Days in the 70s, though. Well, when we finish the 90s, we're going to have to either move to the 2000s <laughs> or to the 80s or Go the 70s. All the way back. I think yeah. the 80s are lame. I think we if we. I'd rather do the 70s than the 80s, to be honest. Okay. Helen talks about uh, the press would bury Morty uh, if uh, if he did not resign. And so uh, Jerry's asking, well, what press? And uh, Helen refers to the condo newsletter, the Boca Breeze. Uh, and Morty calls it a pinko commie rag, yeah. the fake news media. Sure. I mean, I've been on the Boca Breeze. Yeah, it could be a compliment. I don't know. Is he like Red Rose Twitter? And he's like, he's saying, yeah, it's great. There's a lot of anti-communist yes. uh, sentiment that comes out in Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, listen, well, I, I think the writer of this episode, probably not pro-communist, if I had to guess. Um, listen, the 90s was a very, you know, the, 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 you know, Cold War just ended. I feel like everyone was anti-communism in the 90s. Now it's cool again. But back then it was not. <laughs> yeah, um, I do like the role that the Boca Breeze plays in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- yes. They the, when they keep flashing to the headlines, they do a good job with that. All right. So a bunch of guys come in with Kramer and they talk about how Kramer, what a great guy he is. He just got a date with the uh, young aqua size instructor. Uh, Jerry seems to know immediately who she is. She says she, she's 50. Yeah, of course, Jerry knows the aqua size instructor at Del Boca Vista. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kramer, his his chief demo is old men. Like I could see all the old people just absolutely eating him up and loving him here. So and you know, everyone do would love be him. his like little grandma. And uh, there is talk about how he has charisma and the light bulb goes off in Morty Seinfeld's head and says, that's it. I'll tell you what I'm looking at. He's the next condo president of Del Boca Vista. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so uh, we're going to work on installing Kramer as the figurehead of the Morty Seinfeld regime. Uh, Meanwhile... Uh, we see uh, uh, Daryl in the apartment. Here's the one place where there's a little bit of a crossover key. Yes. So Daryl and Elaine are together, and uh, Daryl is thanking Elaine for the wizard organizer. Elaine says, ah, forget about that. Let's fill out the warranty. Wouldn't this be like an automatic breakup thing if someone tried to get you to fill out a warranty? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever filled out the warranty on anything? I, unless you have to, unless you legally have to for something. I don't think so. I think I filled it out for. Uh, I think I have a warranty on my car. Yeah, car. I'm saying some a big ticket purchase like car house. Yeah. You probably have to fill stuff out. Sometimes, like the computer or software makes you fill it out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, online. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we go through the hobbies, and then we get down to okay, race. Uh, and Daryl says, "Well, isn't that optional?" And Elaine says, "Well, it should be, but you know, they would like to know." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Asian. He's Asian. He says, uh, "Just to mess with them." Yeah, and then he says he makes over uh, he makes six figures. Okay, now when he says that he makes over a hundred thousand here in 1998, Elaine seems impressed. But this is right on the heels of let's say Asian to mess with them. Is there any possibility that Daryl is messing with the warranty company? It's possible, but then he would say like, "Yeah, still mess." Right? It would be funny if he said like, "Nope, messing with them." I'm actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a grad student and I make twenty thousand. That would be, you know, mm-hmm. that might be funny too. So I, we're also like showing. Remember, Elaine is like very shallow and ultimately doesn't care where he's from or you know what his background is but she would certainly care that he has a good job uh we see uh jerry and elaine talking on the phone elaine is uh still getting nowhere with this question she talks about that she's at the point where she's just taking daryl to a bunch of spanish restaurants because that will cover them either way yeah. uh daryl is going to be confused about this uh I-, I still don't get what they're going for well, i here. think it is just like an insane idea that blows up in her face <laughs> in the last scene yeah, uh, Jerry says you're a master of race relations. And so uh, Elaine has heard about Kramer running for president of the condo. Uh, and uh, Jerry explains about how his dad wants to install Kramer in this puppet regime. He's running against common sense and a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, we don't, I don't think we see the guy in the wheelchair, right? <laughs> yeah, we hear about the guy in the wheelchair again the, the, at the end of the episode. Let's all vote for the guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> all right. George is going to come in and he's mad because uh, that we know that there's a big plot point in Seinfeld. Who gets to pick up somebody's mail? Who gets the spare keys when somebody is away? And so how much mail does Jerry get? I guess he gets a lot of mail. Like he's a, you know, a freelancer. Probably his checks are coming in the mail. It's pre-direct deposit. It's a- okay. But – Keith, yeah. we have well established that the mail in the Seinfeld universe yes. uh, comes to a mailbox that is downstairs. Why is George going up to Jerry's apartment? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they just hang out there like out of habit. Right. And also, like mm-hmm. people get the mail usually when it, when they live in a home because they don't want to see like a mailbox. They don't want any passersby to see the mailbox overflowing and, you know, some criminal element comes and robs them. They mm-hmm. if you live in an apartment, it generally, you know, it's 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 in a box. So unless it's really like filling up the box to the point where the mailman can't go any further, like it's not a big deal. The Unless he just doesn't want Newman, who's a stent. Maybe is Newman there? Is Newman there a mailman? I don't think he is. Right. I don't think you so. You can't be your own so. mailman, your own mailman. I think that's a rule. You wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Um, I mean, George is stopping in. He's surprised to see Elaine. What are you doing here? Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, I mean, was George in the neighborhood and needed to use the restroom? That's possible. I mean, we know George loves a clean New York City bathroom. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jerry doesn't seem alarmed. Like, yeah, why is George there? George, what are you doing? You go to my apartment when I'm not home? Yeah, I'm not, they don't really establish it, but it Kramer's not there. It's not like he's there to see Kramer. It's, this isn't friends. They don't all live in the same building. True. But I, I don't think, I mean, they have keys at this point, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jerry instructs George that he needs to come by twice a day to flush the toilet so the gaskets don't dry out and leak. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any truth in the science? I know, Keith, that you are an expert sure. plumber uh, to what Jerry is telling George to do. I mean, he's just giving him a job. It's a busy, It's like if one of your kids is like, hey, how come you didn't let me get the ketchup from the fridge? It's like, all right, you get the mustard, even though you don't need the mustard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids, uh, nothing to do with mustard. Yeah, but they like like they don't they also don't want tasks. But if you have one a task, the other one will probably be jealous. 
Yeah. Okay. So George and Elaine start talking about uh, what's going on. Why? Why do the uh, Rosses uh, think that you have a place in the Hamptons? Elaine asks George, and uh, he explains because I told them that. Yeah. I mean, again, we know that this George has to know at this point that if he has this big plan, you got to tell Kramer, you got to tell George, Jerry, I mean, Elaine, and and Jerry because. That's how we get the Vandalay industry is, you know, you want to be my latex salesman mm-hmm. situation. You got to let everyone yeah. in, you know, at least your only three Keep friends in the, in the world, loop. In, you know, in the loop right. on your lies. Right. Like if this was the ringer, they would all know about it in their Slack channel. Yeah. If they really needed a WhatsApp group or a Slack channel, you know, people say that, you know, having cell phones would have solved things. But really having group chat would have would have helped you know they could have got all their lies in one place and then the last episode could have just been somebody you know the the police confiscate their 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 group chat and their server see everything that they've said back and forth all their lies and that's it they don't even need to call a hundred you know the the finale could be under five hours they could just they could just would their slack channel have been admissible in court in the seinfeld finale i think so why not why wouldn't it be I don't know. I've never heard of a court case where uh, somebody, uh, you know, can we can we ask Chester that? Yeah, we, I mean, he's yeah, we could ask him. I don't. Has that ever happened yet? Has there ever been a court case yet where a Slack channel has been subpoenaed? Yeah, like to our. Do you subpoena a, a Slack channel? I think you would subpoena Slack channel. What would you do to Slack channel? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, okay. I'm sure it's happened. But again, like even what actually happened in Seinfeld hasn't really happened. Right. They just calling like every person they've ever met as, as a anti-character witness. Yeah, this is a funny interaction with George and Elaine because Elaine uh, tells George that uh, she was the one that told them about the Hamptons and uh, she laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. And so George is upset that they knew that they knew I was lying. They didn't say anything. You don't let somebody lie when they know you're lying. You call them a liar. Yeah, I do like how much George hates liars. All liars detest other liars. <laughs> yes yeah and so uh he says that he's gonna call up the rosses and bring them to his non-existent place in the hamptons and we'll see who blinks first and elaine has a great line also in this scene she says haven't you done enough to these people <laughs> yeah what what a foolproof <laughs> plan george comes up with usually george has real good plans and this one is just a nightmare yeah. All right. Back down to Del Boca Vista, the height of the campaign between Kramer and the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. Kramer's pinching cheeks. He's kissing babies. He's kissing old people uh, there. You know, there's there's he's putting stickers on ambulances. He's, he's campaigning up a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kramer is going to increase the uh, Social Security, he uh, says. I'm not sure necessarily uh, whether the condo board mm. president has that authority, but uh, you know that the Boca Breeze is going to be uh, loving that yeah, idea. Yeah, I do. That's true. <laughs> they want to hand that. I, I think it's like, you know, ever run, you ever have someone like run for like eighth grade student council president and they're like, you know, they make big promises like, you know, I'm going to get this teacher fired and like anyone who gives that homework is going to, you know, mm-hmm. like there's no more homework. And uh, like now school lunch is going to be free. You can make a lot of promises you can't keep. No one's really holding you accountable. OK, we go back to Monks where uh, Daryl and Elaine are, you know, uh, having uh, something else. Um, it must be a, a lot of work. And look, I, I love a good coffee shop. But, you know, anybody that's dating the core four has got to, all of a sudden if they're not a coffee shop person, mm-hmm. this is a big conflict. It's true. Must love coffee shops. 
It's, it is definitely a core sort of element to to hanging out with them, which is again maybe why nobody really sticks around and and is actually their friend. Maybe monks yeah. is gross. And there's an interaction between the waitress and Daryl that I'm pretty sure has never happened in uh, the history of the of food service little industry. Bit of a little big stretch, major <laughs> biggest stretch ever. Uh, the waitress says to Daryl, "Are you black?" Or should I bring some cream? Yeah, I think this is Constant Simmer, by the way. Uh, yeah. yeah, nobody's ever said, are you black before to like talking about uh, black coffee? And uh, is the implication that he's been there 20 times and she's like sort of getting her his order down, Pat? Mm-hmm. That's possible. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she could have just said black yeah, that would have made more and, sense. As she brings the coffee out. Uh, I don't. But are you black? Nobody's ever right. uh, it's, said it's that funnier, in terms but of like a in order. Yeah, it's almost cheating. I agree. Yeah, and Daryl responds, "I'm black." No, nobody has ever said that. Yeah, nobody's ever said it. And then I'll say, oh, you know what? Could you bring a little bring a little cream? Even if he was a black coffee drinker, nobody who drinks black coffee is like a black coffee. Uh, you know, I changed my mind. Uh, bring some cream. Yeah, no, you have it. You have a set order. You're ever, you know, you're either cream or no I, cream. Yeah. And if you're no cream, you wear that like a badge. Sure, of you don't honor. get a little you, cream. and you do cream shaming. Sure. You ever cream shame or are you a creamer guy? No, I'm not a cream shamer. Uh, look, uh, I, I drink coffee without sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you, uh, you, know, you, you do? Do like, you drink black coffee? No, I will. I will drink black coffee. Uh, you know, some sometimes, uh, but it's not my first choice. You know, it's sort of like if I, if I ever have black coffee, it's like uh, you know, I've had so much coffee. Let me just drink a little bit of this black coffee, so I don't drink a lot. I was just around. That my- might be like the late in late in the evening. I might have a little black coffee just to just to get a taste of it, and then so I don't drink a, so much of it. My dad drinks five or six cups of coffee a day, and I was just yeah. around him. It's like. It's such a it's such a because I don't drink any coffee. It's such a lifestyle. It's like a non-coffee person and yeah. a coffee person. It's it, you, they almost can't miss. It's like smoking. It is true. It is like smoking. His whole day <laughs> revolves around revolves around coffee. Oh, yeah. Like he, no, it's, it's, it's a monkey. That you can't get off your back. We don't eat milk and meat. So he'll just never have meat because he, he has milk in his coffee. So he just like he doesn't want to have meat because then it would mean he couldn't have coffee. But like coffee, you know, is more important to him than food, which is insane to me. He guess he's wow. a food hater like you. <sighs> but uh, not a meat hater. You're not a meat. Well, yeah. You, I mean, you don't have to keep kosher laws. But if you, you, know, yeah, if you did, I it would so. be a problem. What, could he what, get like a non-dairy creamer? I, I, the, po- the point is people like him are so particular that switching that like they would probably rather have no coffee than you like switching up his order even one percent, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, powdered creamer should be used to torture prisoners. The problem is with with someone like him, because we have six fast days on the Jewish calendar. So that means you have to go from his six cups of coffee to zero, you know, oh. a bunch of times a year. And that is so I, I, I've never asked him and I, I don't think he does this, but there's people who get like the coffee like uh, patch. No, I think it's like a suppository or something that pe- oh. a lot of people get. <laughs> I don't think he does it, but like I, it's become popular. Wait, what? There's a caffeine suppository? I think so. Uh, this episode of the uh, Seinfeld the Wizard is sponsored by Coffee Suppository. Uh, Kiva, did you know there's uh, six fasting days a year yeah. in the Jewish religion? It's, it's only best way to go. If you're a coffee lover. Yeah. 
Try Coffee Suppositories, oh available in light roast, medium, and dark roast. I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure this is a real thing. I mean, I don't want to start, screw up my Google history. I got to go <laughs> on into this is an incognito, incognito mode. Yeah, I don't want if to Nicole go into sees coffee su- that you Googled Coffee Suppository. I think it's over. Boy. I mean, coffee suppository, uh, you know, you, now I'm now I'm thinking uh, like a lot of I, I mean, there's a lot of times I'm here doing a podcast uh, for a, for a long yeah. time. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of work to go and uh, make coffee mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Uh, let you know, me you see. could just coffee. get like a, like a coffee maker up there. So how does Probably it work? better than like, you know, like. So are there, yeah, there's Enema Coffee, but yeah, Coffee Suppository. Bio, this is on Amazon. Uh-huh. Uh, not a, not a uh, you know, paid sponsorship, but you can, of course, you know, use our link on. If they uh, want to sponsor Robin's the website. podcast, com. they can. Yeah. Uh, so this is a 30 count cocoa butter and green coffee extract uh, suppository. I don't know what they look like. All right, uh, so there's. Good for your, I guess this is. First of all, I'm calling it coffee, but I guess we should be saying caffeine suppository, right? Because it's not literally yeah. uh, coffee. Uh, so there's there's a it must have like gone viral one day in 2010 because here are a couple headlines. OK, yeah. September 13th, 2010 rabbinic rulings in the rectal root. Mm. <laughs> and then there's another four days later. Uh, Brooke, that was Huffington Post. Brooklyn paper has bump in the trunk. Jews rushing to get caffeine suppositories. Yeah. Yeah. So I so- didn't make it up. That's wild. Yeah, that's this is interesting because you know uh, all that cream can be fattening. Uh, Gothamist so you, you, a few a few days after skip that, that says uh, anal atonement. We wrote out Yom Kippur on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the co- the coffee suppository. Okay, uh, that's that could be its own uh, its own podcast. Yeah, sponsor the podcast. Put it on the wheel. Put it on the wheel. Okay. <laughs> all right. Robin <laughs> the coffee suppository. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I well. If you have to test it, somebody has to test it. You wouldn't even uh, go across the street to pick up kosher food. You're putting some in your butt. No way. <laughs> I mean, is it is it a is it a kosher? I it's got to be. Yeah, well, it's a co- separate market. It's got to be kosher. Although it's, I mean, it that, seems like they're the most interested in this. Product. The reason why I didn't want to do the kosher food podcast yeah. was because I I didn't think that you like uh like oh here's a here's a latka for you. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Uh, I think people would no, like that. I don't think that that was going to be on the list. It was going to be all the stuff that's like, uh, like you know, no, you would have gotten a, you know, a I, I would have gotten a lot. You would have gotten a couple appeal, weird things. The appeal was trying to get me to, you know, here's. I think and I wouldn't have given any, it's you anything I don't like, except for maybe herring. Uh, all right. I don't know where we. Uh, oh, yeah. The uh, are you black uh, yeah. in terms of coffee? Yeah. Uh, so I, anyway, uh, there's a couple that I don't know said something. I think they like pointed at them and Daryl goes on this incredible leap to say that did you hear that? Though there are people that have trouble with this interracial couple. Yeah. Now what what could that they they don't say anything that's audible. Why do you think they're uh, looking at them? Is it because is it cuz of the turkey club? I think it's because somebody just asked somebody, are you black about a coffee right. order? Yeah, maybe maybe they're pointing <laughs> at the waitress for asking a weird question. <laughs> that was a crazy thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so Daryl jumps to the conclusion that people are having problems with this interracial couple. Uh, yeah, no, that is that is the jump to conclusions, Matt. That doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Daryl is so upset about this. He doesn't feel like eating. Elaine says, uh, well, me neither. Uh, well, maybe this turkey club. Yeah. Maybe they were pointing at the turkey club. Maybe it looked really good. 
Yeah, I mean, th- whatever this couple did is so unnoticeable. Yeah, that, that uh, I'm like, wait, did I miss something? No, it is. If you're looking for a problem, you always find one. So yeah, I it's guess on their so. mind. All right. Uh, so George is with the Rosses. Uh, ask them if they're ready to go to the Hamptons. You got your bathing suits. They tell them it's March. And so uh, speak now or come on. We're about to get in the car. It's a two hour drive. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's get nuts. <laughs> let's get nuts. All right. Uh, so Jerry is uh, with his pa- with his parents, with with dad. And so. Uh, we see that uh, Kramer and Morty are feeling very good. Uh, I mean, uh, so Morty is sort of the uh, the campaign manager here uh, for Kramer. He's like the Steve Bannon. Is he the Steve? Is he the Steve Bannon, so. or is he more of like the David Axelrod? Uh, he might be an Axelrod. Yeah, I guess he's an Axelrod that he's going to start like a bunch of podcasts afterwards or something. I'm not sure. Does exactly. have a podcast or or is, he, uh, that he does? Uh, is it on the same uh, network? I, I, it's it's i think it's part of cnn uh okay. I, I forget i forget what it's uh what it's called um and so that he is really you know running this campaign but he's really the brains behind uh the operation really hiding behind you know kramer's friendly facade and uh have you seen today's boca breeze uh c- candidate cosmo kramer was barefoot in the clubhouse don't a lot of these places have like an age minimum I think where my grandma used to live had like, you had to be 55 to buy. Hmm. So it is actually interesting because Kramer, you know, I guess he's ostensibly in his 40s at, you know, at the end of the run. Uh, Yeah. I'm surprised that they're like so accepting of of such a young person. Yeah. Now, the Boca Breeze, which has been very pro Kramer, uh, I think is showing a lot of journalistic integrity to, I mean, they seem to be backing Kramer all the way, but then they report on him. They don't try to bury the story. I like it. Yeah, no, we we did more it's of that nowadays. It's not beneath the fold or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, interestingly enough, you know, Kramer does not try to refute these charges. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no way to, you know, you can't argue with these with these people. Yeah, he doesn't try to say, okay, this was, you know, fake or anything like that. He, instead, they come up with this plan. They're going to buy off the electorate. Yeah, it's funny that, like, this was the, their plan B. They should have just done plan A. They should have just taken them all out to dinner or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And so uh, Morty Seinfeld, he's going to go take a nap. Uh, it's like a running gag about how the, you know, they're, the older people try to pretend it's not hot, uh, that uh, Helen Seinfeld is going to bring Morty an electric blanket while he takes a nap. Yeah. Are electric blankets still a thing? I think they are. I mean, I know they exist. I wonder if they're more popular or less popular now. I think less popular. Yeah, probably. They went out with water. I'm not sure beds. exactly I feel like the why. waterbed electric blanket electric Van diagram blanket. was pretty was pretty circular yeah yeah i think a lot of them went on fire i think that's a big part yeah of it. that's true i would be i would be nervous to have the electric blanket you got the electric yeah, blanket maybe you uh, got the uh what's that thing the hot the the, the hot the uh the heater the, the portable heater what's that called that always catches fire space heater the space heater yeah. forget it. everything's burning yeah. down what do you think it is? do you think that uh uh millennials have homes that are better insulated or do you think that global warming has been uh the uh, part of the downfall of the electric blanket? I think I think that the the, the earth is much hotter. I do think mm-hmm. I, like if you you're wanting to pin the blame of the downfall of electric blankets on millennials, I don't know about that. I don't think a lot of uh, I think the millennials uh, have uh weighted blankets. Yeah, weighted blankets are uh are are more therapy blankets, but no electric blankets. 
Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to get a hookup on these wizards. Jerry uh, can't. I mean, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, he's always strapped for cash uh, mm-hmm. that he can't buy a $200 wizard for everybody. It was like 10 uh, people. So, yeah. So Bob Sacamano's father to the rescue. Think about how much money Jerry's wasted in Florida alone these last like few seasons. Mm-hmm. Cars that are just, yeah. you know, going to the ocean uh, like he can't drop $2,000 for their little plan here. Come on. Yeah, of a family. Keith, uh, this might be my favorite scene in the episode uh, coming up here with George and the Rosses, yeah. where the Rosses are just hanging George out to dry. Yes. And uh, Mrs. Ross asks Georgia, please, uh, you know, tell us more about the uh, your new home in the Hamptons. And <laughs> George uh, says, uh, you want to hear more? The master bedroom opens into the solarium. Yeah. Uh, and Mrs. Ross has another solarium. <laughs> I do think a solarium yes. was enough. I do think millennials killed the solarium also because. Did they kill the you solarium? You don't hear about solariums at all. I think that a lot of millennials are sleeping in the solarium, uh, which is much warmer. That's why they don't need the electric blanket. People still have solariums. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think we have to double check and see what a solarium is. Well, it's like. I always thought a, it was like a, like a place where you like sort of like. Uh, like almost like a schwitz, like a sun, like a sunbed thing. But I always thought people were naked in the solariums. A schwitz is like a sauna. Yeah, right? it's like a mini sauna. It's like not no, a full I, sauna, it's, but it's like yeah, it's like hotter. Solarium. And are it's naked. almost like a it's like a greenhouse type area. Like if you have like sort of like uh like some sort of like outdoor dining, but you like you're behind like uh like plexiglass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. And people so are like naked, you think, or they're wearing clothes? Nobody's naked. That The worst place to be naked is in the solarium, because everybody can see you. Your neighbors, if you're naked in the solarium, you, you know, you have, you have a next-door neighbor that they can see you. I don't know. I, I don't know why I associate with nudity. Maybe I once, when I was a kid, it was like a solarium maybe in a hotel, you're, and you're, so naked Because you're, uh, maybe you're a nudist. But definitely. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so, but... <laughs> I just have it, you know, certain things you associate with other things. I just, when I hear solarium, I think, like, there's naked people involved somehow. <laughs> So, yes, uh, two solariums, uh, George says, and he has horses, too. And Mrs. Ross wants to know, what are the horses' names? And George instantly says, uh, Snoopy and Prickly Pete. <laughs> I do like the I mean, Snoopy, like, is probably trademark, but I love the name Prickly Pete if you ever bought a horse. Yeah, Snoopy and Prickly Pete. Uh, I love it so much. Uh, and so uh, Mrs. Ross wants to stop. She sees an antique stand. Yeah, well, she's going to buy him a, a housewarming gift. He should have done it because, like, is she going to take it back at the end? Like, what's what's the game plan for that? He could have gotten a free thing out of this. He knows this yeah. is not going to end well. Keeve, I, I called us the Snoopy and Prickly Pete of podcasting in the intro. Uh, what do you think I said in the intro of the original podcast? Ooh, that's good. That's a good trivia question. Do you know the answer? I, I don't know. You want to like, you want to see? Yeah, let's play it. Okay. All right. Here we here we go. Seinfeld, the wizard is over and has been for quite some time. We're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. And now here's the guy on today's podcast who has less than one solarium. I'm Rob Sestrino here with special guest host Alexander Chester filling in for Keeve. Alex, how are you? I am excellent. Yeah, two guys who are definitely not a Kiva Wienerker. No, we and are I, not. I apologize to the listeners. You know, sometimes you uh, order a wizard and you get a willard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. <laughs> yeah. I, did you think he planned that? 
Um, <laughs> probably. Do probably. Plan, I've never planned like an opening line, but I mm-hmm. do think there are people who plan their opening lines when they come on on the show with you. Yeah, look, uh, I appreciate it. No, you think people should like plan? I, You'd rather me me have like a canned line for my first line? Look, uh, I guess best would be off the cuff. Yeah. Second best would be prepared. Okay. And third worst would be nothing. N- n- nothing. Yeah. Well, I, I the first fifty episodes of Seinfeld, it's nothing. You would just say, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'd be like, "Oh shoot, I was not anticipating that question." <laughs> Eventually, I learned. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so uh, we're ta- we're taking it up a notch. All right. So Elaine and the waitress. Uh, this is, I, I think, Elaine uh, is uh, kind of out of line here. So Elaine is talking to the African American waitress. El- Elaine says to the waitress, "Long day." And the waitress says she just worked a triple shift, which uh, I don't know. This seems like worker abuse. Yeah, that's all. That's too many shifts. And we already know they have weird hiring practice. They only hire yeah. family members or busty waitresses. Like, yeah, tw- what, is that is that twenty four hours straight of waitressing? <laughs> yeah, that's how long a shift is at Monks. That's too long to work as a. <laughs> what is this ER? That's a good reference. Long shift yeah. at the coffee shop. And Elaine said, "I hear you, sister." And the waitress is very taken aback. Sister? Yeah. And Elaine says, it's okay. My boyfriend is black. Yeah, not great. Not not great. I'd rather just say, yeah, I call everybody sister. So she says, "Uh, here he is. See? I mean, uh, what what was the like smoking gun that Elaine uh, came across? Was it that the the couple in the restaurant were snickered at at them being interracial? once, Once they thought that they were being mocked for being an interracial couple. Now it's like, all right, he's She's in, like, in okay, my mind. Ah, he's so, be all right. so I don't see it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if these people have looked at this yes. and instantly they know, that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Elaine is pointing to him and says, look, see. And uh, the waitress says he's black. Right. That's also a wild call by the waitress to like start. Like it is weird what Elaine did. But then just to like question the ethnicity, if he is sort of like. If he could pass for black, which I don't know if he can, I guess that's sort of the point of the episode. But mm-hmm. uh, it is interesting that she's like calling him out on it. Yeah. And Daryl's like, I'm black. And Elaine says, uh, aren't you? And the waitress said, I'll leave you a couple of minutes to decide, <laughs> yeah, which is funny. a good line. It is a good line. It is a good line. Because that is something unlike, are you black, that a waitress would actually say. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and Elaine is trying to tell Daryl, like, look, you're, you're black. We're an interracial couple. Uh, and Daryl says, no, we are because you're Hispanic. Uh, yeah, which, by the way, not crazy, right? Bennis is, is a Hispanic name, which we never really, it has not come up during the series before, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting, like, uh, you know, we don't see Daryl talking to his friends, like his POV and what he thinks Elaine is, but it's interesting. Right. And so Daryl is saying, because your name is Bennis, your hair, you keep taking me to those Spanish restaurants. Uh, and Elaine says, because I thought you were black. Yeah. And he calls and Darryl, her out on that. <laughs> says, well, why would you take me to a Spanish restaurant? Because I'm black. Uh, and the lady says, well, we shouldn't be talking about this. Uh, and they, re- they come to the realization that just a couple of white people, I guess we should go to the gap. Yeah. The whitest thing the writer's room could think of. <laughs> yeah. Is there a better line? I mean, the ga- is, I think the gap has gotten, wh- has the gap gotten whiter? I don't know. The gap is just falling on hard times all around, I think. Right. I don't know if anybody is going to the gap now. Yeah. I think the gaps and even the banana republic near my house closed. Like, I feel like the, they've. That's the same company, right? I think they've mm-hmm. fallen on hard yeah. times. 
So we go to Kramer, and uh, he is at lunch with everybody, and everybody's feeling like Kramer's got this election all wrapped up. Uh, yeah, he's he's bought them the Wizards. There is a, a, a deleted scene that would have been around here where they go to Bob Sacamano's dad, and he can't speak uh, to fill the Willard order that Jerry goes there, but he doesn't speak. It's not a great scene, again, because there's nothing really to it. And, and it He can't a- speak. What is he, like uh, Hector Salamanca yes, with a bell? He basically is. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, the, he's, the, he's, the, he's sort of the uh, role model for Hector Salamanca, correct? Okay, uh, so everybody is realizing that, hey, our tips are coming out wrong. Uh, it's over tipping. This guy just left five bucks for a BLT. I always love that the guy yells, I'm ruined because of the extra two dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another guy says, uh, mine doesn't have a seven. I'm ruined. Uh, that uh, Why didn't you get them the wizards? Morty wants to know because they were two hundred dollars. There was no deal. Wouldn't a real politician sort of promise the wizards, but like they're on back or they're coming in the week after the election? Yeah, that would be good, you know, in hindsight for future politicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, promise something yes. that will come after the election. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's election uh, season now, so you'll go you'll go to like a place and whatever whatever the problem is in that community yeah. like if we need I'm more elected. Parks. Like all right, I'll, I'll yes. you want a park, I'll build you eight parks and then the parks never come. And the next time the park is discussed is the next time that person's running. You'll see for it. all the parks, all the wizards. Yes. It'll be great. Yeah, they're finished and now they want everyone mm. to vote for the guy in the wheelchair, the unnamed unseen guy in the wheelchair. Everybody vote for the guy in the wheelchair. So for Kramer, he's uh headed back to New York uh and uh yeah, these aren't wizards, these are willards. Again, we talked about this very 90s trope of like Rolexes that someone buys and then they realize in the middle of the episode it's a Tolex, which is like the same joke that happens in like four different 90s sitcoms. And this is mm-hmm. 98. So that joke has happened a bunch of times. So this is a very like yeah. too on the nose, not smart enough for Seinfeld bit but yeah but it it's it is the bob sacramento bit yeah it, for sure that. yeah no and that's not the bit isn't just a one-line bit it's it's sort of the they admit you know, uh, like that you know that they're sort of uh bogus, <laughs> but whatever you know they're it's hot. not a ra- it, it's not a raccoon hat it's a rat hat yeah. you know every it's always like you know the off-brand thing yeah, you and know, i love that uh, it's sacramento's dad like his dad is pulling shady schemes even though he can't talk right. when he's in florida even going back to did bob sacramento had the defective condoms yes yeah, so uh, classic Sacramento. Sacramento was born. Mm-hmm. So we see in our final scene of the episode uh, that George and the Rosses are on a beach and uh, somehow they've driven like up to like the shoreline. It's gotta be like four and, hours at this point if they're like at the end of Long <laughs> right. Island. They've reached the end of Long Island and George says, We go on foot from here. <laughs> I love that. Like George is really mm-hmm. willing to. to pull. I, I really like the battle of wits here between the Rosses. With their daughter's murderer, according to them. And by the way, like, they might think he's a dangerous person. This might be dangerous to actually go out there with him. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, like, they're both not willing to, like, what's the longest you've ever gone to commit to a bit like this? Like, I do, I'm impressed on both of their ends that they did this. Yeah. Uh, Five minutes. Five. Like, I I, I like the, I, I think I maybe mentioned this on a very early episode of Seinfeld when we were really hungry for some wing restaurant. Um, when I had a gap year abroad in Israel and we, we mm-hmm. all chipped in $20 to send this one like lunatic back to New York, but he had to fly. We found him a cheap flight. Everyone gave him money for their order and then gave him an extra 20 bucks. It was like 40 guys. It was like $800 ticket. Mm-hmm. And then he had to fly back, go straight to the restaurant, get everyone's food with no bag. So he could just put all the food in the bag, come back, 
like that day. It's a 12 hour flight. So it was like airport, restaurant, airport, come back, um, like just for the bit. And we thought it was funny. Uh, but then the school caught him. Like you want to leave the country that permission. The school caught him when he was in New York. <laughs> that was like the longest. The airport. And that was, I think, part, I don't, it wasn't fully my idea, but I was definitely involved. Like that's the longest I've ever sort of like, go, you know, gone for a bit. Like to, you know, send someone literally across the globe to get wings just as, as like, mm-hmm. you know, for a full day, just as like a, a bit. But the Ross is real. I, I also like Susan Ross, uh, not Susan, Mama Ross here. Yeah. It's like a really like you could feel the hatred on her face. Like she really plays this well. Yeah. And so George is broken. He's like on his knees. He's like, uh, all right, there's no house. It's a lie. There's no solarium. There's no prickly Pete. <laughs> there's no other solarium. Like, I'm surprised George gives in first, but I guess like exercise is involved, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they say, we know. Uh, and then why? Why did you make me drive all this <laughs> way out here? It's like, uh, well, we don't like you, George. And we always blamed you for what happened to Susan. Yeah. It's like, oh. All right, let's go back. What an awkward uh, car ride home. Four hours. George at this should, point. Have, should have said, "You know what? You guys get your yeah, own ride home." It's insane that he drives them back at this point. He should leave them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're yeah. so wealthy. What are they going to pay for a thousand dollars for a cab? They won't care. Yeah, I mean, where, where's the cab going to find them? Uh, yeah, that's true. You know, it might take a while to get a cab. It's it's pre Uber, and they're like it's March. Yeah. It's the end of that's true. There's uh, no Long one that Island. With the locals, yeah, that's true. Like, uh, do they have a cell phone or the, do they have a portable? A, a, yeah, cordless. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if George just drives away, I mean, uh, he may be able to wipe all the Rosses out. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I may never see the Rosses That's ever true. again. I love the commitment to the bit here, though. Yeah, it's great. All right, Keeve. Yes. Uh, should Do we give a rating for the, for the uh, for at the storylines? Well, I gave them. Uh, I, I could tell you what my ratings were briefly. Jerry mm-hmm. Kramer. I wrote. Yeah. Feels like we've been here before with all this. I give it a D. What did you yeah, give Jerry it? Jerry almost has nothing going on. Uh, Jerry is sort of just like, but, uh, by the know, way, oh, I that's giving it a D. Rewatching it, I'll, I'll, I'll move this up to a B minus. Jerry has nothing, but so maybe that was impacting my grade. But the Kramer storyline mm-hmm. is funny, even though, again, we really did just do this with Morty Seinfeld. Maybe that's why I gave yeah. it a D. Jerry's just sort of like a means to an end to yeah. get to the Kramer being with Morty Seinfeld. He's just like in the sidecar. Yeah, one of the Jerry lightest, lightest Jerry episodes of the series. Uh, the Elaine storyline, I said, uh, love the idea of the boyfriend's unknown race. Like, it's definitely an original idea, but I feel like they should have gone further with 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 it. I think I just wanted it to be maybe the A story, not like the C story. Mm-hmm. I gave it a B minus. And for George, I said, you know what, though? Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like that, uh, you know, does it does it hold up? OK, eh, but it's, it's unreasonable, it's not- like a racial bunch of racial jokes from Seinfeld from the 90s. Like, right. it, it couldn't have it, held up better. You know what I mean? It could only have gotten. Worse. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's not terrible. But, you know, it, it, had they gone further, I think it would it, it would have held I up agree. worse. At the like, time, for, like, it might have been instance, funnier, but it would have. But. Or are we judging right. it on like how funny it is now or then? It's but, tricky. But if you go back and watch a you know uh, '90s SNL, yeah. uh, it's Pat. Uh, yeah. where, where it, and it's basically the same joke. Yes. It's Pat. Where it's like uh, it's Pat is is it uh, is Pat a man or a woman? Right. And and this is like you know uh, like a different version of the of the same joke. Yes. What what race? And let me let's ask questions so that we you know and, and Pat would give like you know uh, nondescript answers yes. of that. Uh, oh, it's I a was, good example. You know, yeah. I was on a date with Terry, uh, right. and it's like oh, is it a man? Or a woman? And, and I think that that you know would I think it's Pat would probably be considered wildly offensive. True. Uh, now so you know if, also, if they not, went further not really still the test time i feel like even snl fans who are listening might not know it's pat 
So, and, and the reason why it has not stood the test of time, and you, you'll never see its pat on, like, you know, uh, I, I, I'd be very surprised if they showed anything on the SNL 40th anniversary yeah, or anything I don't like think that. Because so. uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think it holds. What about up. the its pat so, movie? Do you see that? I, I don't even think I saw. I it. think it's I did, movie. even though I, I like I wasn't really watching SNL when it, its pat was popular. I believe it was on Comedy Central a lot when I was a kid. So I think I watched it for George. I wrote textbook George storyline, but it's not that funny. It's it's funny to talk you know about, what? but there aren't a lot of laughs during his storyline. You know, I, I feel like I'm the highest on the George storyline. Mm-hmm. I I just that uh, I I love you know that he he has I I think the funniest lines in the episode. Yeah, okay. Um, do you want to guess my episode ranking from hmm. from this episode? I'm sure, I already did at one point. Yes. But, uh, I'll say that it's somewhere probably around like. Uh, 92 no i was pretty low on it i think i'm higher now if i i would move it up now but it was actually 152 mm-hmm. which was my lowest episode in four 152 years. Yeah. wow listen there's 151 funnier episodes i guess yeah maybe were you grading it down because you felt like that the subject matter was too controversial no, i think it's because i wasn't there maybe i, I, I knocked oh, it maybe. down i don't know you were sour i was i was yeah. pretty i was pretty jealous of chester yeah because to me this is i mean it might not be a top 100 episode but it's not a bottom 30 or bottom 40 episode i think now watching it uh okay there's some interesting things and, and keith explain this to me so you have mailbag questions that we didn't get to no, you probably in got the to original them. we'll just re-answer them <laughs> so we're, gonna re- we're gonna answer questions again well, some of them a lot of people most people who write in send five questions so what are the odds i pick the same chester probably picked the worst questions i'll pick the good ones okay um uh johnny silver just to get him involved because uh, we did mention a bunch of these things in the boca breeze headlines did you see the multiple mentions of larry david splashed across no, were there images of Larry no, David? No, just or mentioned David that he quits ma- golf. You know, because they have other headlines on the page uh, yeah. besides the okay. Kramer stuff. Uh, Dan the Benefactor says, what does George possibly think is going to happen with taking the rest of the Hamptons? What is best case scenario? He knows they're... Hey, does Dan the Benefactor have to pay he more does. money? Yes, for he has us- to pay for <laughs> Only the, the Seinfeld half of this episode. Right, he, he yeah. gets a lot of free podcasts nowadays, Dan. And uh, these, are, I think, are longer even than the Seinfeld ones, the R-A-N-E-P. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's best case scenario for George? He knows freeloading. Yeah, he is a freeloader. He knows they know he's lying. They've accepted the trip. What possible reason would they accept other than to have George break down and admit he's lying? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. What What is George's best case scenario with bringing the Ross out to the Hamptons? That they just halfway through, like this drive is too long. I don't want to go to your nice house. Yeah, I mean, who wants to sit in the long ride out to the Hamptons? I mean, I guess he should have got it's, lost it's, and ended up in, like, Pennsylvania or something. That should have been his, like, that should have been what he did. And then, like, eventually just he gives up. Yeah, runs out of gas or something. Yeah, he should have run out of gas. That's not a bad idea. Lindsay writes in. I haven't heard from Lindsay in a while. She said, hey, guys. Lindsay! Pretty excited to hear that a live show could be in the works. I don't know whether I could make it, but I would be definitely da- be down to try. Uh, I feel like she can't. Ron Howard's voice, she did not try. Uh, maybe she tried, but she did not. <laughs> I think we called Lindsay during the live show, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So she is actually was there in voice. Uh, we we called mm-hmm. everyone who didn't show up who said they would come. We called on the live show, or we're going to call. Um, yeah. She said, uh, in this era where they made a Candy Crush show and a Battleship movie, is the Coffee Table Book movie really that hard to imagine? No, I agree. I think it's not It's not crazy at all now. Yeah. Um, what would it, it would be a movie coffee table the movie I no mean, I think uh, it's Mike based on it? the movie like it, what if like coffee table it could be an animated movie like a Pixar movie yeah I, where coffee bit, table like, books uh, come to life but like if you're a coffee table book about airplanes you're like kind of an airplane 
And I'm a car- coffee. Is it well? Okay, so is it a coffee table book about a world of like in a world yes. where coffee table books are real, mm-hmm. uh, or is it a, is it a that is it a, in a world where all when people go to work, all the coffee tables hang out during the so day? It's like Toy Story, but instead of tars, it's just, uh, co- uh, toys, it's just coffee tables. Or is it in, is it a coffee table and everything on the coffee table comes to life when people aren't around? Like uh, like oh the coasters are like uh, like hey I'm I think coaster. it's just coffee tables. It's like a universe of, of like just the coffee tables and like if you're a, you're an airplane coffee table you're an airplane and if you're a coffee table books about coffee tables then you're a coffee table. See, I, I like this idea more about that all of the items on the coffee table are around. And then there's like a conversation between, uh, you know, the, the two cups of coffee. No, I think I mean, but you think so you think it's not animated? Oh, it's animated. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like a Pixar. We could do a live, that means, live action. I, mean, I don't know how you do a live action. Probably DreamWorks. Coffee table. I mean, Giovanni says, I Pixar. seeing how, how this episode is called The Wizard, has Akiva seen the movie called The Wizard starring Fred Savage, Christian Slater and Bo Bridges? Oh, I'm going to guess absolutely not. Never heard of it. And even though I probably read that Put it question, on the wheel. Should we put it on the wheel? It's not. No, it's not that exciting. No. Uh, Craig Vivin from Vancouver says, isn't it stupid they named this episode The Wizard, even though they already had an episode with a mo- more memorable wizard spotlight? He's talking about The Wiz. So, I'm The Wiz. I'm The Wiz. So then what should they have yes. named this episode if it's not The Wizard, I guess is a good question. Hmm. Let's see. What could you have called? I like this an episode, episode called The Boca Breeze, but it's not it's not enough of it's not spotlight enough. You could have the campaign, but again, it's the second campaign just in Del Boca Vista. Um, mm-hmm. You could have something like about sort of the, you know, like the. Yeah. The I mean, you can't call it the Hamptons no. because you already have an episode yeah, yeah, about, the, about the Hamptons. I, I don't know if you want to get into anything with racial uh, stuff yeah. with Daryl and, and the relationship. Yeah, like the there. Black Coffee. I don't think you call You could. It would be more memorable if you called this episode the Black Coffee, but I don't know if that yeah. works. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but honestly, when we talked about the wizard, uh, I did not remember that it was the handheld organizer. Uh, Amir writes in and says, I filled out tons of warranty cards in my life, including a dozen in the past week. What a brag by Amir. He says, no, yeah, I just purchased a new house in New Jersey, and he made sure it was not too close to Chester. Although close enough that Amir did come to the serial tournament. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then he said, none of those warranty cards have ever asked me for my race. Hmm. Well, maybe they had to change it's it. Possible. Maybe in After this episode, they it shamed them into. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and he also says, even if Elaine was Hispanic, as Daryl thought, they would not be an interracial couple because federal policy dis- defines Hispanic not as a race, but as an ethnicity. And it prescribes that Hispanics can be, in fact, of any I mean, race. I didn't want to uh, get into it. I didn't think that was my place. But uh, I mean, Listen, that's, Amir, that right. Amir, it's apparently his place. All right. So that was, uh, you know, 152nd best episode of Seinfeld. But for us. Like, do you feel more complete now? Was there like a slight hole in your heart, and now, now it's 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 healed? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I've done a podcast about this. Oh, episode. so now okay, I'm, this was, is for me. Was you fine. were just doing me a favor. Yeah. I got it. Well, it's for you and for the absolute, uh, you know, uh, Chester haters that refuse right. to listen. I think to it that, was well. You know, I, I, Kaya put this on the wheel. She is maybe the biggest Chester hater, biggest Kiva stan, and I think she was. Mm-hmm. I think called it the worst day of her life when Chester did the podcast. She listened to 179 other episodes, but not this one. Um, There were a couple people, but I I think most people were at least Chester neutral. We're nicer to Chester on this podcast than we were on the other one. I'm happy that we have, you know, can clear this off the yes. wheel, clear up a spot. And then, of course, you know, uh, at some point we will get next week to get together with your tweets are trash mm-hmm. featuring a guest. Special guest. 
featuring a special guest. Yes. And then uh, we'll see if then I will say, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that I didn't uh, veto this one or if my veto FOMO will be even more of that. I, I should have uh, just completely vetoed your tweets are trash off. It's the possible you should have. I mean, now you're putting a lot of pressure on me. Uh, we'll see. It might be in Sester. I did say, yeah. I did say that uh, the, you said, trust me, I have a vision on this. And I said, I will follow, Akiva, I will follow your vision. You said, I will follow you to the end us. of the earth, Akiva Wienicker. I will follow <laughs> you to the end of the earth. And, and I will, but I didn't say that I wouldn't like, uh, you know, complain about the journey. True. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, okay. All right. This was fun. I don't even want to guess how right. long this episode was because we did it in two parts. <laughs> It'll be hard to figure out. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, great work. Uh, let's skip the reviews this week. We'll get into, we'll get into that uh, when we get into our uh, normal episode. Mm-hmm. Episode number nine. Uh, your tweets are trash coming up next week. Thanks, everybody, who made it this far. And also a big shout out to anybody who checked us out on Post Show Recaps. Come on over to robhaswebsite.com slash NAP to subscribe to Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast. Kiva is still on Twitter. He's at key 26 I'm at Rob Sistrino. Uh, anything special coming up on the 32 Fans podcast? Uh, no, just their usual NFL stuff. We haven't recorded anything this week, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get around to, to something. If Chester, if Chester's not too offended by me sort of like uh, taking his place on the Wizard podcast here. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. Uh, let me just take a moment and thank our sponsor, our friends over at betonline.ag, Keith. And Keith, can you believe it? Can you believe it that I had, uh, for the third time this season, I have gone five for five in my football picks? Take that, Shaq. Yeah, take that, Shaq. Although, to be in fairness, in fairness to uh, the uh, great Shaquille O'Neal, who is uh, one spot ahead of me, uh, I am currently in fourth place right now. Three picks off the lead, off the leaderboard. Who are you behind, Shaq? Who else? Scott Braun. He is a baseball podcaster. Shaq is in second place. Ross Tucker, who thinks I'm Boston Rob, okay. uh, him uh, that he is in third place, and I am tied uh, in fourth place with uh, Rob Riggle and his co-host. Oh, nice. Rob and Sarah. I don't know who Sarah is. Um, is it his wife? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but so I'm so I'm right there. I'm right there. So let me give you my week my week nine picks here in the uh, podcast one Sportsnet challenge. Of course, the uh, winner of the podcast one Sportsnet challenge will get to donate five thousand dollars to a charity of their choice. So a, uh, a very uh, good cause here. Here we go. Uh, Keeve uh, week nine picks. This is not with the spread. Give me the Chiefs at the Browns to win. A lot of turmoil with Cleveland. Uh, give me the Patriots uh, versus the Packers. Uh, although I do like that the Packers like uh, got rid of a bunch of people that screwed up. So I like, I like that they're sort of like, uh, I like when teams do that. Do you, uh, is, do you like follow that philosophy with podcasts? Like if I mess up this episode, you're going to trade me to the Browns? I feel like that if if you were like really screwed up a podcast and mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I, you know, we parted ways and then I brought on a new co-host. I feel like that next podcast would have a lot of juice. Come yeah. in really fired up. I th- well, who'd you replace me with? I don't know. Let's not get, okay. get, get too far into that rabbit hole. But and then your next podcast would be a revenge podcast. Oh, yeah. So it, it literally yeah. about the TV show revenge. Mm-hmm. Yes. And more on that in a second. Then uh, the Vikings, uh, I'll take them against the Lions uh, who traded away Golden Tate. That's, uh, you know, that's uh, there. That wasn't like he screwed up. That's just like, hey, why would we get rid of Golden Tate? And then give me the Texans who have Demarius Thomas against the Broncos. Oh, my God. Uh, revenge game immediately. 
Immediately. Yeah, I do like it seems like that happens a lot where a player gets traded and has to immediately play his old team. Back in <laughs> yeah, the 70s, like they'd that. always like trade someone in the middle of a doubleheader and they just switch mm-hmm. dugouts. You always heard stories like that. Yeah. You didn't pick I against the, the Bears. The, I mean, the, you didn't pick the Bears against the Bills. No, well, that's my lock of the week. Oh, there. OK. Bears uh, for a second week in a row. Uh, unfortunately, last week you I had to pick them as the lock of the yeah. week, which I was rewarded for. I was yeah. rewarded for with that. I mean, All you'll right. be punished so, when you go to hell for picking against your favorite team, <laughs> but you're rewarded in, in this world. Look, uh, everybody knows, you know, uh, never, uh, never pick Todd Bowles Jets on the road. Every, everybody knows that. All right. So here we go. BetOnline.ag, of course. Uh, they are the uh, sponsor of the podcast one Sportsnet Challenge, of course, uh, because I went five for five last week. They will be uh, giving $100 credits to five of our listeners. Just use the hashtag Sportsnet Challenge and your account number on Twitter to uh, be able to be eligible for that promotion. Have so much fun online with all of the options on betonline.ag. Use the code podcast one to receive that 50% welcome bonus. So much going on. If you are a huge sports fan like Akiva, you know this is such a great time of the year to get in on all the action on betonline.ag. There's drama in LA with the Lakers. Uh, is that true, Keeve? Yeah, they keep losing. I mean, there's no drama. I'm enjoying it. But I guess, yeah, they're upset about it. Toronto and Denver are off to hot starts. Alabama and the Rams are dominating in football. Nashville is starting very strong in hockey. Is that true also? Yeah, Johnny DeSilvera, who we're about to talk about, a big Nashville Predators fan. He'll be happy to to hear that. There's only one place to get in on all that action, betonline.ag. Don't wait any longer, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert and the exclusive partner of the Podcast One Sportsnet. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive that 50% sign-off bonus that's podcast one for that 50 percent sign up bonus at betonline.ag 